when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast for Yahoo Sports Canada. I'm your host, William Bloom, speaking to you after the Toronto Raptors dropped just a dud against the 76ers in a potential closeout game six, losing by a score of 112 to 101, although that's not really very accurate. The Raptors really were down like 20 plus points for most of the second half. And uh, it just so happened that the Raptors' uh, third unit was much better than the Sixers' third unit. But this game was a blowout. The Sixers blew the doors off the Raptors, who, you know, it's funny because they said all the right things um, during shoot-around. They talked about how much, you know, they got to prepare for this like it's a war and they got to prepare for this like, you know, this is uh, – they got to be desperate. They got to take it away from the Sixers. And, like, they did none of that. They didn't none of that. Like every single hustle play went to the Sixers. The Raptors just they didn't have it. They just they didn't have it. They weren't cohesive. They um they weren't opportunistic whatsoever. They didn't really put up that much of an effort defensively either, which is a little bit shocking. Um and ultimately the Sixers forced game seven. Um obviously there's some historical ramifications there. The Raptors two thousand and one very memorable series between the Raptors and the Sixers back then. And uh, luckily this time there is nobody on the Raptors who's about to graduate from university. So, um, you know, at least the Raptors will have everyone available. But seriously, this is an opportunity wasted by the Raptors. Just And, and you know, it was never going to be easy. Like, it was either going to be a blowout or the Raptors are going to, like, narrowly squeak this one through. Um, But it was apparent from the get-go. Like, the Raptors just weren't there. Like... They were down 29-21 after the first quarter. The Sixers jumped all over the Raptors to start the game. Raptors weren't hitting open shots. And even the shots they were hitting, the couple first couple of like they just weren't the best types of shots that you would want to see. Like, there's a lot of Pascal shooting from the mid-range or Pascal shooting from three, like above the break and stuff. Like, that's not stuff that's going to ultimately be, you know, making a difference on the other side. And meanwhile, the Sixers, they just play with a much different aggression. I thought... Um, you know, Jimmy Butler was phenomenal and, uh, he led his team tonight, but I think really the bellwether for how the Sixers played was Ben Simmons, who I wrote about, you know, before this game, you know, my bad, but, um, uh, Ben Simmons had been invisible and it was true. Like he had like a seven, seven and four stat line in game five. And he had been at up until, um, through game five, Ben Simmons had three more total points than James Ennis. Right. So like this was just, he wasn't there. He was, he was really just a non-factor today. I mean, he just, he made all the hustle plays that really made the difference. And, um, you even look at it. Ben Simmons took five total shots in all of game five in the first quarter alone. Ben Simmons had five shots. And I, I swear four of those were just like hustle plays, just like being around the rim, being forceful, um, either driving to the basket, which he can do, or just, you know, being in the dunker spot and then outworking everybody and getting putbacks and stuff, getting lobs. Um, he was aggressive. He was tenacious. He was determined, um, after receiving a ton of criticism 
um, you know, for his play to just step up. And I think Simmons being there, uh, pushing the tempo, and then just him forcing the issue. I mean, all the hustle plays. I mean, Simmons was just excellent tonight. Uh, and coupled with the fact that Butler came out, uh, I'm sort of just you know, set the tone for the rest of the team, you know, was not afraid whatsoever, just continuously got good offense, um, you know, put the Raptors into tough situations with his pick and roll play. And, you know, it was just one of those games where the Sixers just kind of, they just took control. They took control. Um, You know, to be honest, the Sixers should have been up like 20 plus at halftime if it wasn't for Brett Brown randomly putting in Boban for like a two-minute stretch where the Raptors got five straight buckets um you know the the Sixers really should have just ended that game at halftime that's how weak the Raptors were playing in the first half um but you know okay so Boban comes in the game the Raptors kind of make a push and to be honest I think the turning point in this game happened like you know late in the second quarter where the Raptors you know, after getting that gift of Boban coming in, you know, from Brett Brown, whatever, they had an opportunity there where Kawhi Leonard had a wide open three uh, at the top of the key, and you just figured he's automatic. He's going to hit that. But, you know, he misses. The play goes the other way. Um, you know, Jimmy Butler drives in for a layup. And then Kawhi has another open three. He misses that one. Jimmy Butler goes the other way. Uh, misses a shot from the corner, but gets his own rebound and puts up a mid-range shot that somehow falls in while drawing a foul from Kyle Lowry. He gets a three-point play, and then a couple possessions later, Kawhi's dribbling the ball up. It really should be the final possession, and um, you know Butler strips him in the open floor and then races down the other way and dunks it uh, uncontested with 0.4 seconds left before halftime to put the Sixers up 15 points. The Raptors really had a chance to cut it to seven. Instead, the Raptors go into half down 15. The crowd is chanting Jimmy Butler's name, and rightfully so. He's been phenomenal. Another James Butler performance from him. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it just it wasn't, it wasn't looking good. If the Raptors were going to have a chance, they needed Kawhi to close that uh, last two minutes out of the second quarter, and, and that just didn't happen. That didn't happen. Butler took over instead. And then you just looked at it. Like, the Raptors never really made a push in the third quarter either. Like, it was just, you know, the Sixers got a couple of baskets. You know, the, the Raptors, they made a couple of plays. But it, it wasn't any sort of the sustained effort where they were going to continuously get stops, continuously get rebounds. Seriously, the offensive rebounding for the Sixers just, I mean, just they just overran the Raptors. Like, 16 offensive rebounds tonight. It was it was super annoying watching that. Um, but the Raptors just weren't stringing together plays and sequences, like winning sequences. They just weren't doing that. They weren't getting good shots. Uh, and whatever shots they were getting, they were missing them. And it was just – it was one of those nights where it was just super frustrating. The Raptors never really make a push. And um thing was over basically in three quarters. I don't even know why the Raptors even extended some of the Vets' minutes in the fourth quarter. Like, if you're Nick Nurse, you got to decide early in the game if you want to take control and, and insert yourself and, you know – um if you're going to really go for the kill, because if you're going to do that, you might as well just extend your minutes in the first half and not play guys like Fred or not play guys like Norm and, you know, do the thing in game four where they basically rolled a six-man rotation. I mean, he didn't do that, but then if that's the case, then why are you extending all your minutes for your veterans in the fourth quarter when the game was clearly over? Like, there was no coming back in the fourth quarter. Anyone who watched the tenor and saw the the flow of that game, it just wasn't happening. But, look, I, I don't want to belabor nerves. I think really what this game came down to was, one, um, you know, the Raptors just didn't have the right 
hustle. They didn't have the right effort. And, 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 you know, it's sort of stupid to sort of boil down games to that. There's so many factors that go into games. But also sometimes it's not. Like, this is – sometimes it just is what it is. You know, you look at things like um, offensive rebounds. Sixers getting 16 offensive rebounds to the Raptors, 9. Like, it just it, – you know, it wasn't – it wasn't close, and I think the Raptors got like three of those in the same possession too. So it really was was not as impactful as what nine would suggest. Um, you know, the Sixers getting a lot in the paint. I mean, you know, fifty six points in the paint is rare for the Sixers, uh, especially with the Raptors the way they're defending. Um, usually, uh, this time it just wasn't the same. The Sixers also in the second chance battle, eighteen to ten. That's you know again indicative of how much the Raptors were able to um, just be how weak the Raptors were in terms of just boxing guys out. Like Jimmy Butler and Ben Simmons constantly crashing glass. It hurt the team. It just, it really hurt the team. Um, And, you know, deflections, things like that. Like, seriously, the, the Raptors just, you know, Nick Nurse said before the game, like, you know, we're either going to get into you and guard you or we're going to be in trouble. And, like, it's clear from the get-go, the Raptors weren't going to get in them or guard them. Like they just, they just that killer instinct. You know what I mean? Like it just wasn't, it wasn't quite there. It just, you know, it just, it wasn't. So that was an issue. I think defensively was a big issue too. Um, I, I think like Danny Green has had some good games. Like he was literally just come off a good game in Game Five where he had 17 points and and played pretty well. But today, oh my God, he was just awful. Like just awful. Like first off, the two for eight from three, like. Usually, Danny gets a lot of threes. That's indicative of the Raptors' offense going well because, you know, he's uh, he feeds off the rest of the players. He was just chucking up a couple of bad threes at the end there when the Raptors were down, like, huge, and they just needed threes. So, don't even look at that number. But, like, just defensively, man, like, the number of times Butler would just walk right by the guy and then get into the paint and cause, you know, rotations and scrambles and things like that, like, it's just... It's a real problem. Like, and you know, Danny has a reputation for being a very solid defender, but I think in this matchup, he's just kind of, just kind of overwhelmed. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's, it's kind of ugly. It, it really is. And um, I think he was making like, even he was just uh, playing out of character. Like, you know, all you really need from Danny Green is for him to hit open threes and be solid. Today he did neither of those things. And I, even be solid, I mean things like make good decisions. Like there was one play where he decides to just, you know, crash in from the. Uh, you know the corner for to get a defensive rebound or to get an offensive rebound it doesn't work out i mean like it's like one on three and the sixers clearly get it i mean they're, they're way more athletic than them anyway and then they come down the floor it's an advantage and then they score and it's sort of just like if you just didn't initially give up that opportunity and got back like you know maybe that maybe they don't score in transition there but it was just a lot of bad decision making and to be honest a lot of on ball breakdowns um in terms of guarding butler who again like he just you know, like it sort of happened all series against Danny. Um, I just don't think uh, Butler is an easy defensive assignment whatsoever for anybody. But especially in this case, you know, Danny usually is able to use his strength to to you know muss around bigger or sorry smaller defenders. Butler's just pushing this guy out of the way, man. It's uh, it's bad. But it's I mean, I don't want to single Danny either because you know you look at guys like Serge Ibaka, for example, like. You know, you'll know very early on if Serge is going to give you something or if he's going to be a liability. Today it was clearly a liability. Um, you know, he fouled out in 22 minutes. Coming off the bench, I mean, you know, Kyle Lowry gives him a mint, mint pick and pop look. He breaks it. Another mint pick and pop look from a, you know from the elbow. First one was from you know around the free throw line. Second one from the elbow. He breaks that, and you're just like, 
it's not happening tonight for Serge. It just isn't, and it didn't. It didn't happen tonight from Serge. I mean, he was he was you know pretty bad, and you just go up and down the roster. Like I don't. I mean, Kyle was. I mean, Kyle was fine. I mean, he did, he played his usual game. Like you know, he's always gonna. You know, I just think at this point in his career, I don't think Kyle has the ability to to impact and take over games against elite teams. And and I would consider the Sixers when they play at home with some swagger, they are elite level. Like it, I don't think. I think a lot of teams are. Um, yeah, I, I just I don't think a lot of teams in the NBA are gonna be able to put up with the Sixers when they play with a bunch of swagger at home. Like that's just a team that has high variance and with all the talent they have when they all work together. And today there was actually a case where, you know, their main five guys played well together, which is unusual. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, when they play all play well, like it's, it, it, it is, it is a very difficult opponent and the Raptors just weren't prepared, but you know, it's just, just, you know, a lot of players didn't really play well. It wasn't really the most cohesive game. And also can't believe I took this on to get to it, but the three point shooting is just such a, such an eyesore, man. The Raptors, so game five, they shoot 40%. They hit 16 threes, and it's like manna from heaven. I don't want to compare, I don't want to draw Rob Palinka comparisons to what's to KCW, but or um, KCP, but seriously, game five was like, all right, look, the Raptors finally got the three point shooters going. Nope, they followed up by shooting nine of 36 from three. That is just such a poor effort. And that includes, by the way, threes and garbage time from Norman Powell and Malcolm Miller. So really, they were stuck on seven threes for most of the game. And this is the team that, you know, Brett Brown loves to talk about how the Raptors were the most deadly three-point shooting team. I mean, come on. This series, that that deadly three-point shooting has been nowhere to be found. Just nowhere. And, and it, it just, it kills you because, I mean, like, these guys are getting good looks for their good shooters and um and and i just i don't even know what to say like it's just it's inexplicable how bad they have been from three and uh, again if you take out game five um from the equation i mean game five player looks like the outlier the raptors have shot 33 percent in game one 27 percent in game two 26 percent in game three 32 percent in game four and now 25 percent tonight like that's just not gonna get it done in terms of three point shooting. So much of the NBA today, this you know, I mean, you know, well, Doug is a make or miss league. Like it really is a make or miss league. And like, man, the Raptors three point shooting has just been so inconsistent. And um, yeah, it's just it's tough to watch guys like Kawhi brick threes, Marcus All brick threes. You know, Kyle is actually okay today, but three of seven it should just be average and not good. You know, Danny Green brick threes, like Serge Ibaka come in the game and just like, I mean. I don't think he's had a single three in this entire series. Um, and, you know, whatever. The three-point shot hasn't really been the main weapon for Serge this year. It's been the mid-range shot. But, I mean, when the mid-range shot isn't falling, uh, you would at least like to see some threes. And Serge, by the way, Serge has only hit three total three-pointers in 11 playoff games. So like it, it's been it's been real tough in terms of three point shooting, but seriously, like the, the Raptors just couldn't make any open shots, and it kind of just like corrupts the confidence of the team because it's not even like the Sixers were you know, like that great from three point range themselves. Like Embiid hit a three, like two threes, like okay, whatever, but you know whatever, two threes is two threes. Tobias shooting two of eight, like you know you can you can you're, you're happy with Tobias and JJ Redick shooting uh, five of eighteen combined from three, like that's pretty good. Those are the two best shooters, but then. You know, like, even still, they end up finishing because they get, you know, Mike Scott off the bench, who is just the ultimate Raptor killer, by the way. Um, 
yeah, I mean, the fact that they shoot 10 of 28 from three, that's not even a good performance necessarily. But, like, it just – it's just it was just so much better than what the Raptors produced. And I, I don't – I don't have an explanation for the three-point shots. I really don't. Like, I, I think, you know, playoff defenses are a little bit tighter and things like this. And, you know, um, it must not be easy to play at such a high intensity and then also then calm yourself down and take a jump shot. But at the same time, I, the three-point shooting has just been trash. And we've seen it all season. If the Raptors don't shoot well from three, they're not going to win the game. And it's not a unique problem for the Raptors. It's basically every team nowadays. But seriously, it's just it's 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 un, it's hard to watch. And then when that happens, too, then you got guys like Kawhi and Pascal forcing their offense, not really trusting the passes. And, you know, it just all collapses from there. Um, I don't even know what else to say about this game, really. Like, there's not too much tactically to break down. I thought Nick Nurse's rotations were fine. You just need your guys to come in and produce, and that just didn't happen tonight. And then, to be honest, they didn't even play with the records of energy. So, I don't know. To me, it, it, this whole game felt like a giant waste of time. Like, um, you know, like you have to come up with a much better effort to beat a team as prideful as the Sixers, and um, that just never happened. That's that just never, never happened. And again, you got to give it up to guys like Jimmy Butler for leading the team. I mean, there was one play in the fourth quarter where Serge had the ball in the post for some reason. Butler's guarding him, and you just know that's not going to go well, especially on a night where Serge has been trash. But Butler pokes the ball away from Serge and then dives out of bounds to save the loose ball. And this is with the team up 20 with eight minutes left. You know what I mean? That's the kind of, like, energy and tenacity that, you know, the Sixers played with. And then they go the other way, and Tobias Harris gets a layup in transition. Like, you know, the Sixers, they obviously, obviously, you know, this is, you know, uh, go big or go home kind of situation for them, and they and they, and they they stepped up. But, like, the Raptors just didn't play with that urgency. They just – it wasn't there. It really, it really wasn't there. And it was disappointing to watch, man. It, it really um, – you know, the Raptors are just – they're better than this, but they're also not better than this. You know what I mean? Um because it's it's not like the town the Raptors town is so good that they can just consistently out execute like a team like the Bucks for example their um their town is pretty good and then also the execution is great and they can just get by a lot of teams even if they have a couple they can they can survive variants from three point shooting or or you know whatever some random guy off the team starts going off cuz like they can just consistently trust their effort and they're going to consistently going to be there and the Raptors, I, I I don't know. It's not the same level. And I guess the Sixers not the same level either because this literally happened to the Sixers. Like, the Sixers played, you know, as well as the Raptors played in Game 5. And and conversely, the Raptors played as poorly in Game 6 as the Sixers played in Game 5. But it's just it's, it's just frustrating, you know? It's just it's just frustrating to watch this team. And again, it just felt like a giant waste of time. Um, I don't even. I mean, in terms of three stars, I don't even really know. Like, I, I guess I would in, in lieu of three stars, I guess I'll just say three pauses or three specific players. Um, one, I, I think for Kawhi Leonard. Um, first off, this wasn't even the best performance from Kawhi. Like, he had twenty nine points and nine to twenty shooting with t- eleven to twelve from the free throw line, forty minutes, twelve rebounds, five assists. Like, it looks good, but I don't know. Like, the, we've seen the peak of Kawhi Leonard. This was. About average, which is kind of nuts to say that, right? 29, 12, and 5 is about average. But seriously, like, this is about average for Kawhi. Um, 
But um, but the one thing positive I'll say about Kawhi is that his defensive rebounding has just been absolutely huge for a team that just collectively lacks defensive rebounding. Like you got Gasol, and you know he boxes out a lot, and, and really it is it's not just me making excuses for the fact he only had three rebounds. So that look, you know, Gasol is usually the guy boxing out, he, and he's also you know doing a number on Joel Embiid defensively as well, and he's contesting shots. So he's not always going to be position a rebound. So you really need a guy to come in and crash, and, and Pascal is just not in his nature to do it. He, he loves to leak out, and he's just kind of out of position a lot. So you kind of just need Kawhi to get in there and, and use his hands to just you know gobble up the the, the loose chances, but um. And yeah, Kawhi, I mean, that's one thing that he really does really well is um, defensive rebounding. It doesn't really get appreciated as much because obviously he's doing all the scoring and things like that and defensively and stuff. But um, but yeah, I mean, there's only one play where like Boban was up there for a rebound and Kawhi just comes in with his giant, you know, wingspan and just like snatches the ball like a hawk um, and goes the other way. And, and it's, you know, it's 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 a nice luxury for for. For to for the Raptors to have Kawhi Leonard, uh, I mean that's thanks, Captain Obvious. Um, Pascal, I uh, I like the fact that he's expanding his game. Like it, you can even see within a series how he is expanding and growing. It really does feel like he's very fluid and adaptable. Because like defensively, like this should be a really tough matchup going against the Sixers, who have a lot of you know really accomplished defenders. Um, you know, he's going against Butler a lot of the time. Tobias is, you know, not good, but, you know, still decent. At least he's giving a lot of effort. And, um, you know, and, you know, for the most part, he's going against Embiid, and that's not easy whatsoever. Embiid should really be a perpetual defensive player that you can if he can stay healthy. But, um, you know, and, and, and we've seen Pascal struggle like game two, like he was shooting nine of 25, like that, that was just, uh, you know, not like him. But at the same time, like, you got to hand it to him. He's really starting to, like, just figure stuff out, like, on the fly. And, um, you know, like, today, for example, like, so basically, the defensively, the Sixers have taken away the entire baseline. They're not giving many corner threes, and they're going to, you know, um, sag off, and they're going to challenge at the rim, but they're mostly going to give him, you know, stuff above the break. And Pascal today, you know, early on, he hits a three from out there, which is not usually his game, but the fact that he can hit a couple of those and is confident shooting those is, is good. Uh, and then he also mixes in a couple of drives and, uh, you know, a, a pick and pop with Kyle where, you know, he confidently steps around the free throw line area and hits that. It's not, look, it's not the most efficient way to get offense right now for him. And his efficiency throughout the series has taken a bit of a hit. But, I mean, you got you, you to gotta hand it to him. Like, the fact that he's actually figuring some of this stuff out and, and uh, you know, he's expanding his game within the series, like, that's positive. It really is positive. It's hard to see that tonight considering that the team sucks so much, but... Yeah, you know, I thought Pascal was pretty good. Uh, and then the third thing I will say is Marcus Lowe's defensively um, against Joel Embiid. Look, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Embiid was a plus 40 in 36 minutes. I mean, defensively, whew, man, he was incredible. He stuffed Kawhi Leonard twice emphatically at the rim. I think it was about a, a case of poor decision-making from Kawhi, who was just kind of just like, you know, F it, I'm going to go and win this thing by myself. It wasn't happening. Um, but, um, you know, at least – you know, offensively, Embiid was very limited in terms of, you know, he got two or three from the three-point line, and that helped, you know, you know, uh, float his boat a little bit. But seriously, he shot three of 11 from two-point range. And now we're talking about Joel Embiid, who is a dominant force down low. But Gasol's post-defense against him has just been a joy to watch throughout the series. And 
And honestly, if, if Gasol can just replicate this same performance against Embiid, who was fully healthy today, by the way, fully healthy. I mean, Brett Brown confirmed that Embiid is healthy. Um, I mean, and we, we know. I mean, he they won the game, so he's healthy. I mean, you know, we'll see what happens in Game 7. But um, but seriously, if Gasol can replicate this effort defensively against Embiid in Game 7 and the rest of the guys can just step up, that will be great. That will be great because usually if you stop Embiid, you can stop the Sixers. Tonight, not the case because the Raptors are getting bossed by, you know, Ben Simmons and Jimmy Butler. Ugh, man, that feels just wrong saying it. But seriously, like, that's 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 what was happening. And, and so, um, you know, it was, it was sort of a case of his teammates let him down. But Gasol defensively against Embiid has been really solid throughout the series. And, um, and yeah, we're going to need – you're going to need a lot more of that in Game 7. So, th- I mean, I guess, you know, if you want to give those three stars, those are your three stars. But – Ultimately, nobody on the Raptors played well enough to even deserve stars. And that includes Kawhi, really, honestly. A lot of, you know, this game came down to Jimmy Butler outplaying Kawhi Leonard. It is what it is. And even defensively, like Ben Simmons getting 21 points, some of that's on Kawhi. You know, Ben Simmons had... Hey. Anyway, I don't I don't want to go too far into that. But uh, in terms of your Gerald Henderson Award, that goes to Mike Scott, who I thought was going to be the... Gerald uh, Henderson Award winner for most of the series. Um, you know, it was uh, a blessing that he didn't play in the entire series to date. I mean, he missed games one and two with a uh, we have a like a plantar fascia issue. I mean, he looks real healthy right now, and uh, t- his only role in the game is to just space out and, and hit threes. And he's really, really freaking good at doing that. Against the Raptors, especially. Maybe not against other teams, but against the Raptors, he is just money. Uh, Mike Scott, plus 29 in 20 minutes tonight. Wow. Uh, Had 11 points on four or five shooting. Seriously, Mike Scott, this is what happened in the Wizards series. Like, Mike Scott was just torching the Raptors. Someone would break down the point of attack, like John Wall or Bradley Beal, kick it out to Mike Scott, and he would just literally shoot 100%. It was super annoying to watch. And uh, it's just, you know, a coincidence that the Sixers have him now against the Raptors. It's... It's unfortunate. That's what I mean. And then in terms of the Patrick Patterson Award, that's got to go to Danny Green tonight. Danny was just was just bad, man. It was really bad. And I don't want. And really, it should really be shared between Danny and Serge Ibaka. So, you know, I'll, I'll give it to both of them. The both of them deserve it. Um, Danny just defensively against Jimmy Butler. I mean, just like a saloon door. Uh, and then Serge Ibaka. I mean, again. I, I, for the life of me, I don't understand how a guy who's played ten years in the NBA, basically been to the playoffs every game of every year of his career, played in huge moments, played in the finals, played in the West Finals, had good moments in those game, in, in those series too, for him to just then fall off a cliff, and I mean, even in other games he was able to impact with hustle plays. Today, none of that, like none of that, not a single offensive rebound, um, you know, fouling out in six minutes. Uh, it's just and again so much of it comes down to confidence so you could tell right away if Serge has it or not and really it's just can he get his first basket to go like I think the Raptors should really focus and commit a lot of energy to getting a the best possible look for Serge what's like to start the game like a layup and maybe an open two and, and see if he can hit those and if he can then okay you can continue to engage Serge and you gotta you know just really work because look the Raptors just need some production off the bench and Serge is their best bet but tonight he was terrible, and for most of the series outside of games uh, four and five, he has been terrible. So, 
you know, it's just the Raptors need to spend time on it. But also, it's really weird to have to spend a lot of energy and time on a guy who comes off the bench and is just a veteran who's supposed to get in there and make hustle plays and play defense. Like, it's just weird to have to – like, the Sixers don't have to spend energy to engage James Ennis so that James Ennis has a good game. James Ennis just comes in and produces, right? And the Raptors – I mean, who off the bench can do that? Nobody. Nobody. Like, Fred, again – we, we all we all praised Fred when he had five points in game five. Today, one point. I mean, I, scoring's not the whole game, but again, if you're the point guard and you play 16 minutes, you take one shot and you score one point, like, yikes. Ugh, man. It's bad. This is a bad performance. But look, 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 the Raptors could turn it around in game seven, right? Um, you know, you have home court, which is going to be a big advantage. You have two days off in terms of rest, which is... Big for the Raptors because, look, they are the older team and they kind of need the rest a little bit more than the Sixers right now. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, the Raptors kind of come out and play with desperation. And, you know, I don't know, man. You just kind of wish the Raptors in their history would ever be somebody that, you know, would have the character to come out and make force the issue. But... That's just that's never been the identity of the Raptors, and to be honest, I don't think it ever will be. There's there's not that ruthlessness that like you saw with the Bucks, for example, right? The Bucks, um, you know, in that pivotal game four on the road in TD Garden against the Celtics, a lot of calls going against them too, and they just put their foot on the Sixers' necks or on the uh, Celtics' necks and just and just kill that series. Like yeah, it was kill it, and then even in game five. They come out and they just close it out. It was real simple, and you know they didn't give the six, uh, the Celtics even a chance. But um, the Raptors just don't have that same ability. But at the same time, look, you have Game Seven on your home floor. You have some rest. Um, I think at this point, both Nick Nurse and Brett Brown understand what they need to do with the rotations, and I think you will see the Sixers go to six players. Um, in the rotation, which is basically what happened today, right? Like, or sorry, seven players. Um, you know, Scott being the backup, you know, at both the at all the forward positions. Um, you know, it helps that he can play a little bit of three, a little play a little bit of four, and he can even play a little bit of five if you really need him to, or at least you can shift him into five. And then Ennis can sort of be the backup for the um, the guard spots, and he, he can play a bit of three too. So, but if you look at the rotation tonight, I mean, like. Scott, 20 minutes off the bench, 26 minutes for Ennis. You got, you know, the rest of them, you know, the four minutes here for Bolden, Simmons, Amir Johnson, TJ are all garbage time. And then Marjanovic played a couple of garbage minutes too, but he only played seven minutes. Like, you know, Brett Brown limited his rotation. But, again, having those two guys off the bench that can produce is crucial because if you look at the Raptors, they don't, they didn't have anybody off the bench that could produce today. All of them were bad. Like, Fred comes in and plays 16 minutes, has one point. Serge Ibaka comes in 22 minutes, goes three of ten. All three from three fouls out in six minutes. Like it's it's bad, right? And so, you know, the Raptors odds are they'll probably shorten their rotation to about six point five. I will say, like they'll you know Nick Nurse will have to buy some time um, on the wing with like a McCaw or like a Van Vliet or Norm Powell. You know, they have to do that. Although I would say Norm, I mean, him, the first possession came into the game. He literally just came in, and then all of a sudden he gets back up by Jimmy Butler, and Butler gets a layup off a you know baseline inbound like it's just those plays like that drive coaches crazy and it's it's always been that way for norm but 
you know, the Raptors are probably going to shorten their rotation. And again, it's just going to come, it's going to be a tough game. Like, it really is going to be a really tough game. I predicted, you know, um, before the series that I said Raps in seven. Um, and, and kind of, this is kind of the way I anticipated. Like, Raps will win one on the road, Sixers win one on the road. And, you know, hopefully it'll come down to home court advantage. But, I mean, t- realistically, the Sixers have a really good chance to take it as well. Like, the, you know, if Simmons can sort of play with this kind of aggression, that's going to be a big difference. If uh, And we all know Butler's not going to be intimidated whatsoever. Like, he uh, is just a great leader, and um, he has consistently showed up in this series outside of game one where he was just – it was strange how little he was involved. But he's taken over. He's he's really produced. Um and you got to figure Embiid's going to come back with a better game, too. Like, the fact that he only shot 5 of 14 is a, is a little bit shocking. But defensively, he was great. And so, you know, the Raptors, they just got to be – they got to prepare for that. They got to be prepared for that. They got to hit open threes. I mean, like, seriously, if the Raptors don't – if the Raptors' season ends because they can't get their 40% shooters to hit even 20% of their threes, it's it's just going to – it's going to kill us all. It really will. It really will. But, um, yeah – it's gonna come down to Game Seven, and again, there's some history there. There's some history there. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll have plenty of pieces from now until uh, Sunday that we'll revisit how glorious 2001 was. Uh, in many ways, it was kind of the apex for the Raptors as a franchise at the time. And I don't think the Raptors have had an iconic moment uh, to that extent uh, in in the what like 18 years since. Um. And I guess even arguably the same for the Sixers. Like, they haven't really had that many great moments either. Because, you know, that year AI goes to the finals and steps over Tyron Lue. And, you know, they got gentlemen swept. But still, that was a pretty good showing by the Sixers. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, like, you know, it's game seven. And it, it, this huge stakes on the line. Just huge. Like, if, you know, if you're the Sixers, like, if you lose a series, I mean, if I were the Sixers, I'm bringing back Jimmy Butler and I'm not bringing back Tobias Harris. And that sucks because Tobias Harris, uh, they gave up a lot of assets for. But I just don't think that you give him a max contract and he's going to produce to the same extent where you can even get value recouped on the max deal. Um, and you might just have to eat the loss. I don't think that was a good addition for them. Um, but, I mean, and, and you know, whatever. And even Butler is not necessarily a great signing because of his age. Although we've seen in the playoffs how valuable Butler is. So they should keep Butler. Um, but then I don't know. I mean, if they if they lose, like you know, who knows? And if the Raptors lose, I mean, we know all the stakes. Like, who's a guarantee to come back next year? Like Pascal, that's about it. OG, right? But the rest of the guys, who knows, man? Who knows about any of this? So it's gonna be a big game seven. And meanwhile, if you take a bigger, uh, if we just zoom out, take the uh, look at the bigger picture, the Milwaukee Bucks are just sitting at home looking at these people. And uh, kind of just chilling and laughing, you know? Like, everything's worked out for them. I mean, like, KD's hurt. Um, you know, uh, Malcolm Brogdon's back. You know, he made a re- return in Game 6 uh, and played limited minutes, but, you know, played well. Uh, he's a big factor for them. All their guys are rolling. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, they're going to have, like, about a week off in between because they played on Wednesday the playoffs – the Eastern Conference Finals, regardless of who comes out, is going to start next Wednesday, and it's going to start at home in Milwaukee. Like the Sixers or the the Bucks are going to have a lot of time at home, like ten straight days at home. They're going to completely recuperate. Meanwhile, the Raptors are an old veteran team, and they have no bench, and so you got to figure that's going to get to them eventually. And Sixers are a younger team, but they also have no bench, so you got to figure that gets to them eventually. And Bucks is just sitting pretty at home, and right now, 
as much as I would like to be confident about the Raptors and they have gears that they can hit and they've hit them occasionally and things like that, I don't trust the Raptors to hit that gear four times in seven games against the Bucks. I haven't really trusted that all season. Um, the Bucks have, even though the Raptors have played the Bucks decently well, I mean the Bucks have won that season series three one, but uh, you know they won that game on the road without Kyle, and then they also were very close to winning another game where Kyle had zero points. So you know seems to be okay. Whatever, it's gonna be a tough series for the point guards. But um, even though the Raptors have played the six, uh, the Bucks well, like. The Bucks are just it's 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 really shaping up to be their year, and it's sort of we've just sort of been um, you know putting our heads in the sand about the whole thing and be like oh yeah this whole juggernaut team with you know the statistics of a juggernaut team and and the the, the profile juggernaut team let's see what happens when they hit adversity like I don't know man I don't think they're gonna hit adversity I think they're just that good and I think we should just trust the numbers like one. You know, when teams show you who they are, like, believe it. And the Raptors have shown us that they can be a very good team, but they're very inconsistent. And the same thing for the Sixers. And the Bucks, they're just consistently a good team. They're consistently a great team. And really, the Bucks, they have a real, they have a really good chance of winning the championship this year. But, um, you know, let's let's forget about that for now. Let's just focus on Game 7. Let's stress about it. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's really come down to a Game 7 because the Raptors didn't have uh, – didn't have the the heart. Didn't have the desire to close out Game Six. I mean, I, I don't know. These things sound dumb, but it really is what it is. Six the, the Sixers just out hustled the Raptors tonight and, and got the win. So, so yeah, we'll see what happens in Game Seven. I will be back to recap that game as always. And um, and yeah, thanks everyone for listening. I hope everyone can do something in the next two days to uh, take their minds off it. But, I mean, realistically, the Raptors are about to play a game seven with two days in between. It's just going to be bare stress <laughs> from now until Sunday. So, When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Uh, enjoy it. Enjoy it. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.